Let's bow for prayer, please. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We've been singing about it, Father. We've been thinking about it. We have been processing it in our minds. You paid the price for our sin, a price that we could not ever pay. You paid it by the gift of your one and only son, Jesus, who died on the cross, shed his blood, that our sin can be forgiven, that we might have eternal life. Thank you. We are so very, very grateful. As we come to this place of worship today and prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're cognizant of the fact that we all are sinners, every one of us, like sheep, we've gone astray. But thank you for laying upon your son and his innocent heart the iniquity of every one of us. Until we see you face to face and bow before you, I pray that you will receive our expressions of gratitude in prayer and in song. And I pray that this morning you will speak to our hearts. And then when we leave this place, that we'll be quick to share the good news of Jesus with those around us so that they too can experience forgiveness and eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Open your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In a few moments, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. If you're our guest, we're delighted that you're here. If you're a baptized believer in Jesus Christ, please celebrate with us this morning when we celebrate in a few moments. If you do not yet know Jesus, then we ask that you watch and observe and listen. And our prayer, our earnest prayer, is that you too will come to know Jesus, perhaps even today. What do you do to help yourself remember That's a serious question. (laughs) What do you do to help yourself remember? Remember people, remember events, remember appointments, remember... What was I going to say next? Uh, Remember assignments, (laughs) remember responsibilities, remember anniversaries, remember birthdays. All those things are important. Do you make notes? Do you put it on your phone? That's been a big help. Do you make lists? Do you set an alarm? And when the alarm goes off, do you remember why you set the alarm? Picture the upper room in Jerusalem. Jesus is there with his disciples on the evening in which he would be betrayed. They are celebrating the Lord's Supper, or rather Passover, and he would institute the Lord's Supper that night shortly to be betrayed by Judas, celebrating that most sacred of Jewish feasts, the celebration of the Passover, a time of remembrance and deliverance from slavery in Egypt. And during the celebration, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So we're here today to remember. 
Stand with me as we read a very short passage. You're familiar with it, most of you. Verse 23 of chapter 11, 1 Corinthians. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You may be seated. The human mind forgets. The Greeks used to say, time wipes out all things. And they would say, the mind is like a slate and time is like a sponge. Or today, you've got a lot of stuff on your computer, you forget to back it up, there's a crash and you lose everything. Very unpleasant event if it's ever happened to you. Jesus knew of our propensity to forget. And so, would we forget Him? Would we forget what He did for us? He gives us, therefore, something very special by which to remember Him. And it's a command. He says, do this. Not a suggestion, but a command. Do this. In remembrance of me, we call it an ordinance from the word orders, an ordinance of the church. Baptism and the Lord's Supper are the two orders or ordinances of the church. And so he gives us this by which we remember him. And it's an an amazing celebration and a very, very, very simple observance or celebration or ceremony. He did not ask to be remembered by monuments. He asked to be remembered by eating and drinking. And so we shall remember this morning what Jesus has done for us. There are three things that I want us to remember today. First, remember his death. Remember his death. The one event connected to Jesus that we remember the most along with the resurrection. He came for this and he died for us. The most famous death in all of history. No one else's death arouses such lasting interest. By his death, the gates of hell were lifted off their hinges. By his death, The foundations were cut from under the kingdom of evil. By his death, the doors of Satan's prison house were thrown open. And by his death, we are saved. A pastor remembered an invitation happened in his church. A boy came forward and with all the music in the background, he said very softly to the pastor why he had come and the pastor didn't understand what he said. And he said, leaned in real close and he said, would you say that again? Why did you come? And the little boy said, my sin, my sin. 
And that's it. That's it. It's the same for all of us. Our sin and His forgiveness at the cross. The church is the only institution in the world whose membership is based on unworthiness to be a member. You ever thought about that? Only institution. You've got to be unworthy to be a member. And um, I'll let you in a little secret. You're unworthy. But let me make sure you understand that. Oh, that, I didn't mean to do that this morning. Yeah. The, the fingers are pointing back at me. So I look at you. Let me get that thumb down. So there we go. There we, fingers are pointing back at me. So when I say you're unworthy, I'm saying I'm unworthy. We are an unworthy people. And that's the basis of the good news. In Christ, God came into the world to do for us what we are unable to do for ourselves. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. We do not celebrate this morning because we deserve it. We are recipients of grace, undeserved favor from his love. So his death is remembered and it should be told around the world. Maybe you remember this from a few years ago. I first saw it a long time ago and haven't read it again in a while. Speaking of Jesus, he wrote no books, but more books have been written about him than about any other man who ever lived. He composed no songs, but more songs have been written and dedicated to him than have been dedicated to any other name on earth. He had no house. But more houses have been dedicated to him than any name or cause during all the passing years. And the fact that he died to save the lost, that he loved the unloved and unlovable, made his death the most monumental thing that ever occurred since the beginning of time. And that's what we celebrate this morning. So remember his death. Secondly, remember his presence. And you see the spelling of that on the screen. Remember his presence. He is here in this room. He is here. Remember his presence. Some of you are experiencing pain today. Some of you are experiencing hurt. Maybe physical pain. It may be emotional pain. It may, it can come in all shapes and all causes of pain. And in many cases, we have to live out our days not knowing the precise reason for events or for our pain. But the cross shows us what they cannot mean. They cannot mean that God is absent or out of control. At the cross, we see God willingly enter into our suffering. There, He did more than promise To fix our pain. He immersed himself in it. And there we see that even when things look like. From our perspective. That they're out of control. They really weren't. If there were ever a time when it looked like God had lost control. It was on the day that Jesus was crucified. Evil it seemed. Had triumphed. 
Now, however, because of the resurrection, we realize that there has never been a time when God was more in control than when Jesus was on the cross. In the cross, he took the worst atrocity in human history, the murder of his son, and turned it for his glory and for our good. Isn't it possible that God is doing the same thing right now in your pain, your hurt, and your sorrow? He is here. This is not a wake for a dead man. He is the living, reigning Lord. And these are symbols of his death and resurrection. And we meet the Lord here in this place today. Do you remember from the Gospel of Luke the story of the two men who were on the road to Emmaus and Jesus joined them and they did not recognize him even though they were his followers? They were blinded by grief and they were discussing among themselves what all this meant and Jesus asked them, what are you talking about? Though he certainly knew, but he asked the question to get them to open up to him. And as they expressed their despair over the crucifixion, over his death, he chided them, reminding them of the words of prophecy that had predicted both the death and the resurrection of the Messiah, but they still didn't recognize him. It was only when they sat down to eat with him, and as he took the bread, and as he blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them, that their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And when he was gone from their presence, they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while we talked along the way and while he opened to us the scriptures in a similar way our hearts burn with his presence as we come to the table to take the bread and to drink the cup roy smith was a well-known methodist preacher in the 20th century native of Kansas, when he was a student in college in a small Kansas town, his father was working nearby in a steel mill, never made much money. Roy had a part at school, in uh, in fact, the leading part in a school play, and his father wanted him to have a new pair of shoes for the play. So Roy's father on his very meager steel mill salary, managed to save enough money to buy shoes for his son. The day before the play was to open, in fact, as they were doing their final dress rehearsal, someone burst into the theater and yelled to Roy, Come quick, Roy, there's been an accident at the mill and your father's been hurt. Roy Smith rushed to the mill, but when he got there, it was too late. His father was dead. They buried him on a cold, windy hillside in that little Kansas town. And after the funeral was over, Roy went by the mill to pick up his father's tools. And someone had very thoughtfully folded the overalls covering the blood and put them in the bottom of the toolbox. And on top of the tools, they put his father's shoes and old pair of brogans remember those (laughs) an old pair of brogans placed upside down so that the soles were sticking up 
Roy said when he opened the lid of the toolbox, the first thing he saw was his father's shoes, both of which had holes in the soles. They were worn clear through. Roy said when I realized that my father stood on the cold steel floor of that mill with holes in his shoes so that I could stand on a stage in new shoes, there came a numbness in my heart that I never overcame. I'll tell you, if we ever overcome that numbness that came upon us when we were first saved, when we met the Lord, then we will lose something vital and essential. That's why we come here today to the the table. We come and we keep that memory alive, the events of the cross and the resurrection. We come here to meet the living Lord And we meet in remembrance of him. So, according to the text, we remember his presence. We we remember his death. And thirdly, we remember his promises. There are a lot of them. A lot of promises. Just remember these three for this morning. That'll be enough. I am with you, I will never leave you, and I am coming back. Remember his promises. The world has not seen the last of Jesus. We have his word on that. He's coming again. Paul, in writing to Titus, said in Titus chapter 2, We wait for the blessed hope, the appearance of of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Contemplate Him for a moment. I read again from that little thing I read earlier. Without money and arms, Jesus of Nazareth conquered more millions than Alexander, Caesar, Mohammed, and Napoleon. Without science and learning, He shed more light on things human and divine than Pasteur, Newton, and Salk. Without eloquence of school, he spoke more truth and wisdom than Aristotle, Plato, and Socrates. As Philip Schaff, the well-known historian, said, without writing a single line, he set more pens in motion and finished more themes for more sermons, orations, discussions, works of art, learned volumes, and sweet songs of praise than the whole army of great men of ancient and modern times. Born in a manger... Crucified as a criminal, he now controls the destinies of the civilized world and rules a spiritual empire which embraces millions and millions and millions. We must work to keep our focus on him, and the supper helps. I've read this story many times, so I no longer believe it's just an anecdote, I believe it's a true story, about Leonardo da Vinci when he was commissioned to paint the Lord's Supper by the Duke of Milan, Italy. Took him over three years. Have you ever seen it? Maybe not in person, but you've seen it. It's incredible. Over three years, the detail is absolutely phenomenal. Every paint stroke, 
was filled with meaning. He was very careful in painting the faces of the disciples, especially the face of Jesus with the chalice or the cup from which they drank. Very, very careful. Finally, when it was time to make it public, he invited a close friend to come and look at it first. His friend looked at the painting and marveled over it. And he said, I can't take my eyes off the chalice. I just can't take my eyes off the chalice. It's so beautiful. Da Vinci immediately took a brush and painted over the chalice so that it is no longer in the painting. And he said, nothing should take precedence over the face of Jesus. So it should be with us as we gather today to remember. We remember his death, we remember his presence, and we remember his promises. Before we celebrate an invitation, an opportunity for someone here who does not yet know Jesus to trust him as your Savior and Lord. So Brother Gary is going to lead us in a song of invitation to give your heart and your life to Christ. Will you come? Place your hand in mine and say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. A member of our staff will be here to pray with you, open God's Word and share with you, so that on this day, this Sunday morning, before the celebration of the Lord's Supper, you can give your heart and life to Jesus. Father, draw us to yourself. Someone here needs your son Jesus. I pray that that one or those several would come now trusting Jesus as Savior and Lord and that we who are about to celebrate in a few moments will have the focus of our attention solely and clearly upon the face of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing.